Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see you all. If you've got a Bible, can you turn to Genesis chapter 3, please? Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. If you haven't met me, my name's Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here. It's a very warm welcome to you. If it's your first time or your hundredth time, great to have you with us. I hope you have a wonderful time with us here at Real Life Church this morning. Let me give you a little bit of a kind of where we are on this. We started a series last week. Um, which we've entitled, Thank God It's Monday. We're going to spend nine weeks as a, total, as a whole looking at the whole area of our work and what that means. And we're looking at work in a broad context. For most of us, it's paid employment. Most of our working life, we do a job that get, we get paid for, whatever that job is, and they're broad and varied, but it's also wider than that. Some of us labour with children, unpaid work, but actually it's still work nonetheless, and it's still a worthwhile investment. Even those who have finished paid employment and are retired or looking to retire, there is still this element of actually we continue to work. My parents have recently retired and they tell me they haven't worked so hard in their lives serving and doing all the things that they're doing. So we're looking at a broad overview and we're looking at what the Bible has got to say about work and then applying that to our lives. We're spending the first few weeks kind of looking at a general overview and then we're going to look at some practical kind of applications of how does this outwork in our life as workers and looking at some um, our practical questions. If you want more information, just go and look on our website, click on the link that says, thank God it's Monday, and uh, look at what's coming up uh, with that. Um, I've asked everyone who's going to speak on the series, we've got a bunch of other people talking, covering a wide range of kind of working outlooks to share their employment history, just because it's interesting to find out a little bit about people through what they've done with their work. And so mine is, I train, my background is a primary school teacher. I went to university and trained, spent four years trained to be a primary school teacher. My first class were year one, five-year-olds, and I spent years working in a primary school, uh, loving that and the highs and lows of working with small children, um, which was great fun. God then called me out of that, and I've been working full-time for the church for about the past ten years. There was a brief period when we came and planted the church here where I actually went back to teaching part-time, did this part-time, and and, and kind of lived a, a dual life of being a primary school teacher a few days a week, working supply in many of the schools in the city and also being uh, a pastor of a church. But now I do this. This is my uh, job vocation. This is what God's called me to, do, me to do. So that's sort of my work history. Last week, we looked at basically the beginnings of work, the origin of work. We found out that work began with God. God worked. When God created the heavens and the earth, it actually describes it as work. When God rested on the Sabbath, on the seventh day, he said he rested from the work he had done. So work has a very exalted beginning. It begins with God. He was the first worker. And we also found out that work was good. It was good because it, it was in the beginning before anything went wrong. There was work. When God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden, he said, tend the garden, look after it, cultivate it. Adam had work. There was work in paradise. I know we had a few moments where there was freak out going on, but actually God designed work, it was good, and there was actually work in paradise. Adam had to name the animals, so it was very much a mental aspect to work, he had to pick names for all these animals. There's also a physical aspect of work, intending the garden, cultivating all that and doing everything he was involved to. And we also found out that work, no matter how small or how menial we may think it is, it's all dignified because God was the ultimate worker. God was the first worker. And we couldn't look down on any particular type of work or look up on any particular type of work because all work before God was dignified and good in its essence. And so no matter what job you find yourself doing, what sort of frame of life you're in, 
Work is good and work is dignified before God. And the ultimate point of work we found was this whole idea of creativity and cultivation. It was meant to be an expression of a creator God would be expressed on how we worked. And actually, the, the man was to un, kind of be unleashed the potential of the created order in his work by, by working at it and, and, uh, and seeing what, what, what he could do with what God has made, his man-made material. And we saw that all down through the ages, that man is still creating and, and, um, and making out of what God originally formed. So it was good. What we're going to look at today, the second part of actually is what's the problem with work? And I'm sure many of you already know the answer to that. You can probably give me a long list of what you think is wrong with work. But we can look at what the Bible says about what is wrong with work and then kind of apply that. So we've seen the, sort of the beginnings of work, the origin of work. We're going to have a look at the problem with work. Now, everybody knows that the world is broken. There's something wrong with the world. There is uh, sickness. There is injustice. There is selfishness. There are wars. There are... There are so many bad things going on. You just have to turn on the television, watch the, the latest news article, and you'll see plenty of reasons to think there's something wrong with the world. And there, there are many sort of uh, theories of why this is, what is actually wrong with the world. And lots of people come up with different ideas. But the Bible has a very specific reason for what is wrong with the world. And it describes that as the word sin, which is basically man's rebellion before God. And if we go to Genesis chapter 3, we've got two chapters of creation and perfection. With God, he makes the heavens and the earth, he makes man, he puts them in the garden, he gives them a mandate, Adam and Eve, and he says, this is what it should look like. Chapter 3, it all goes wrong. Man rebels against God, he disobeys God's rules, he seeks to be in the position of God. He doesn't want to be subservient under a wonderful, benevolent, loving creator God. He wants to be in the position of God. He seeks to usurp that authority. He disobeys God's commands. He is in outright rebellion against his creator. And the response of that is that um, sin comes into the world. Man sins, man's rebellion before God. And the results are wide-ranging in their effect, and they are disastrous. They affect all aspects of life. Uh, it's often referred to as the fall, the fall from kind of God's grace in that sense. And we see shame and guilt come into the garden with Adam and Eve. They says, it says they realized they were naked. And what, they, what the Bible means there is that actually shame and guilt came in. They realized their, their, their error before a holy God. God is completely pure, completely holy. And they suddenly realized they were guilty before a holy God. We see mistrust and fear. When God calls out, where are you, Adam? Adam's hiding because he's afraid of what he's done. He's afraid of the consequences of his evil actions. He's, he avoids telling the truth to God. When God asks him what's going on, what happened, he avoids it. And then he does the classic one, he blames his wife. You know, that woman you put with me gave me the fruit to eat from that tree. And so he, he's blame-shifting right at the beginning. And what comes of this sin, this fall, is this ultimate separation from God. Man is removed from the garden which is God's presence. He's removed from God's presence. It leads to spiritual death and eventual physical death. And everything kind of wrong with the world sort of began at that point. And we see just the world sort of falling apart. And as you go through the storyline of the Bible, everything falls there. The kind of grand storyline narrative of the Bible is, is creation. Everything was made. There's fall, which is Genesis chapter 3. Then you have redemption, which is the rest of the Bible, as God's calling man back to himself and dealing with the problem ultimately in Christ. And then finally you have consummation right at the end where everything is brought back together 
And so this is sort of the fall where everything has gone wrong. And God's ultimate plan is to deal with that. And we see the effects of the fall affect all kind of areas of life. They affect relationship between man and God, ultimately. Number one, that's the one that's gone. But they also affect relationship between man and woman in terms of husband and wife between man and other man, kind of in a wider sense, we see that problem. But also, sin affects our work as part of that, because everything was touched by the fall. Everything is touched by sin in some form. Everything has been warped and marred and broken because of the fall, and our work is no different. So if we can go to Genesis chapter 3, we're going to to read from verse 16. And as part of kind of the fall sort of narrative, God pronounces judgment on Adam and Eve for their rebellion, for their sin. And uh, this is some of the things he says to them. So chapter 3, verse 16. He says, To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In your pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, Because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's just going to flip Can we flip over a few pages to Genesis chapter 11? I want to read a couple of verses there. Keep your finger in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to come back and then we'll end up here. But I just wanted to read it now. Genesis chapter 2. Oh, sorry, chapter 11, verse 2. The story is a Tower of Babel here at the beginning. It says, And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. We're going to come back to that section, but we'll start in Genesis chapter 3. So we've got the curse, the fall. Everything's been affected. Everything has been marred. And work falls under that curse. Now, it's important to clarify, work is not a curse. You may think it is, but it's not. But work has fallen under the curse. So work has been affected. We saw last week where it came from. So work isn't a curse, but it has fallen under the curse. And we're going to look at four things that work has become because of the fall. Number one, work has become difficult. It says in verse 17, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Instead of work being a joy and part of God's creation, and something that is good and wonderful to be kind of uh, some sort of sense of fulfillment out of it, and a place to worship the Lord kind of in perfect harmony, it's become difficult and painful, it says. Gone is its wonder. Exploration, discovery, those naming animals, tending the garden that was just a perfect harmony between God as creator, delegating a job to man, and him fulfilling it, in the garden, it has all been marred and wrecked. Now, effort is required to reach goals because the ground has been cursed. It says the ground will only give up kind of what it's what for you under duress. So there is now effort required in that. 
working will be draining and tiring now. It will sap our motivation, it will wear us down, it will wear us out. Work can actually damage us and cause us pain because of the fall. We see this in stress. People under stress and pressure at work. We see antagonism between colleagues and bosses and people. The job will be hard. Jobs will be hard to find. They'll have difficulty finding a job, but when you've got a job, it will be hard to do, hard to complete. Simple tasks become hard. The straightforward becomes difficult. There are many things that can stop us fulfilling jobs at work, even the most mundane and simple tasks. We might have colleagues who are just pains and won't do their part of the, of the process, which makes your job more difficult because they're not doing their job properly. You have unreasonable bosses who put unfair demands or don't fulfil their responsibility as your oversight, as your leader, which makes the job more difficult. They put undue demands on you. They don't want you to do this. They want you to do more and more and more and more which is incredibly stressful. You have clients, people you're trying to serve, who, aren't, who are just being difficult. They don't pay their invoices on time. They don't respond to calls that you're trying to make, things you're trying to, to help them out with, to provide a product or a service. They become the problem. If you work with children, they can be difficult. Sometimes we wonder, who has replaced my child with this small demon who is here in my home? You know, one day they're fine and then it all just gets turned around. You think the most mundane task, putting on your shoes, can become the greatest nightmare. I speak from experience in that. The situation can suddenly change. You're working in. Something changes. And you're like, oh my, I've now got to, all the work I've done, I have to redo again or I have to change it. It's harder work. The environment that you're working in suddenly becomes hostile because something's gone on. And every, it just becomes a really tense. There's suddenly a threat of redundancy. Outside circumstances come in. The financial crisis, you know, it, it puts pressure on your work and everything becomes more difficult as a result. Something as simple as a computer glitch because the software's got a bug in it can suddenly make work so difficult and so frustrating because that email just won't send. And you just keep pushing and you call tech support and what do they say? Have you turned it on and turned it off again? And you're like... Yes, there's still a problem. And, uh, you know, you just you want to bang your head against the screen. And the, uh, because of the fall, work has become more difficult. And the image we have there, the Bible's one, which is quite a helpful one, is the whole image of the garden. And I don't know if you've ever tried gardening. I've had, I've flirted with it over many years, usually under duress because I have a garden and so I have to deal with it. But no matter what you do with your garden, when you mow the lawn, it Blooming well grows again. You know, you take it nice and short, and within days it's suddenly back. You think, I've got to do that, that job again. You weed a bed and think, finally, I've got all the weeds out. But they're back, and they grow really fast. They grow faster than all the other plants in the garden, the brambles, and they're just, it's a constant grind to try and maintain something. And work can be like that. It is difficult because of the fall. The second one, you see, is that it becomes fruitless. It says, thorns and thistles, in verse 18, it shall bring forth. Which is not ideal. Any garden can tell you, you don't want thorns and thistles, you want fruit-bearing trees, things that are good, things that either look nice, you can look at them, or they feed you in a garden. That's what you want. And one um, commentator wrote this, 
We mean, uh, in fruitlessness, we mean all our work, we will be able to envisage, envisage far more than we can accomplish, both because of our lack of ability and because of the resistance to the environment around us. It says we will always be able to envisage, envision far more than we can ever actually accomplish. Work will involve conflict, envy, fatigue. Not all our goals will be met. We will have all these ideas and dreams about work. I want to achieve this. I want to see that. And then we won't get there because it will just conspire against us. All our hard work will, will kind of sap away sometimes and not result in much. Our conflict, the environment, will erode our productivity. Have you ever been into work one day and think, I've got my to-do list and I want to get this, this and this done today, but because you spend the day fighting fires, sorting out problems when you got there, things that come up, you get to the end of the day and the to-do list is the same with few extra tasks added. The, the to-do list, although it's a good tool... Mine's never empty. Mine's never finished. There's always something else being added. And I'm putting this effort in. You think, am I actually making any progress? Sometimes we put the effort doesn't match our results. We can put a mammoth amount of effort into something, but it doesn't go well. We put something into a big presentation at work that we're giving to a client about a new service, a new product, and you put all this effort and this thought in, and then it just gets blown out of the water because you get undercut or underbid by someone else or they don't like it or it doesn't come about the way you want it and you think, what was all that effort about? We put all this effort into serving a customer, serving someone, and then you find they've gone to your competitor. And you think, why did I bother? Why did I put all that time in? You can be working with children and you feel like you're making progress with them in areas of discipline or training or moving them forward, and then after a bad day, it all just seems to regress, and it's almost like I'm back where I started or even I'm further behind than where I started. Work can be fruitless in that sense. One commentator I read on this wrote, we should be, we should be expected, sorry, we should expect to be regular, regularly frustrated with our work we should expect to be regularly frustrated with our work. And this can just lead to cynicism in us and just kind of almost that, oh my goodness, why do I go on? But it does say in Genesis 18 on the plus side that you will eat the fruit of your ground. Sorry, Genesis 3.18. It says you will eat the fruit of your ground. So there will be positive, but within that it will never be proportional to the effort we give. We sometimes give effort and it's never quite enough. Work does bear fruit. That is a good thing. But it will fall short of the promise that we can sometimes put in it. It won't be as fulfilling as we thought. And it will pervade all our work, even the work that you might think, God has called me to this. You might have, you know, I'm involved in something, I think this is the right place, the right job I'm doing, the right work I'm doing, I think this is right before God. But actually, even that work is still frustrating and difficult. Wherever you work, there will be difficulties and fruitlessness in what you do. Number three, are you all right with this? Are you kind of, this is, this is, is this exciting and good and you want a bit of levity in this maybe? There's two more and it, it, just, it goes, just, just to let you know, it, the, the trajectory is, is, is heading down. Number three, work is ultimately pointless. Work is ultimately pointless. It says, you work till, bear in mind, work is hard, fruitless, and it says, until you return to the ground, you die. For out of it you were taken, you were dust, and you return to the Ultimately, because of it, man is going to die. That's it. You're going to die. That was like the curse. One day, you will die. You will return to the ground. You will cease to be, God is saying. And ultimately, that's where it's heading. And the work, whatever work we do, ultimately will be eroded away to nothing. 
because of it. Many workers experience this sense of dissatisfaction with their work, even when they've achieved their goals. I read um, a story, it was a while back, um, it's going to have to be a football story, but it, it was a football story, and in 1998-99 premiership season, Manchester United um, won the treble, which the first English club to do it, there's been about six or seven clubs have won this, and what that means is they won the domestic league, the premiership, they were the top team, they won the FA Cup, and they won the UEFA Champions League. So it was kind of, for a team to do that, you have to be a bit good, and you've got to be a bit good over the whole season. And they won it, and it was all kind of, if you ever, the final game, the Champions League final was all very dramatic, but they won it, and they were like the best team in Europe probably the best team in the world at that point because the European leagues are the top leagues in the world. So they were the best. And their manager, Alex Ferguson, kind of you know, interviewed, yeah, you know, we've won it. But I remember reading an interview kind of after the event and he, he even said, very when they've won the treble, he's achieved the pinnacle of a managerial career. You know, who's, how many managers actually can say they've done that for the domestic team? He's won it. He's the best. He's, he's fulfilled his goal. But in the interview afterwards was a sense of disappointment of almost, I've done it, Kind of, what next? Is that it? Do you know what I mean? Is that it? The next day I've got to get up and go to work again and start all over again. You begin the next season, it doesn't matter what you've done last season, you've got to start, you've got to start afresh, everyone starts on zero points, we all, here we go again. And despite being so accomplished in what he'd done, there was a sense of dissatisfaction in him, in almost, is that it? Is that it? And it, would just, it just points to what's been here. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible, one of the themes that run through is this sense of meaningless in earthly toil. If it's just what you're working for on earth, there is a sense, ultimately, meaningless, meaningless. All is meaningless. And in our work, we try and generally to do something of lasting value. We want to succeed in what we're doing. If we're serving something, if we're doing a job, we want it to go well. We want it to be a positive result. Um, we want it to do well. So if you're trying to sell a product, you want to sell the product to make your money for your company. If you're trying to serve people, serve clients, you want it to do that. You want them to have a good experience with your company, do well at your work. If you're trying to raise children, you want to have a positive influence on them. But ultimately, it's all going to erode away to nothing. Companies will fall, products will go out of line, people die. Everything gets moved on. So whatever you've achieved, ultimately, whether it's you know, sooner or later, it will be eroded away to nothing and forgotten. I told you it's going down from here, didn't it? <laughs> Ultimately, if you're just working for things on earth, it's pointless and it erodes away to nothing. It will be forgotten and gone. And some of the, the ways we work in our modern kind of age contribute to this sense. We can be um, this sense of pointlessness. You can have people who work in kind of repetitive jobs and say, I'm thinking things like factories, where they just do the same job over and over again. Maybe it's just checking products as they go through product lines or doing a simple job that actually that they don't... Almost it's, it's, it's mundane and repetitive. They've got to do day in, day out, day in, day out. And it just seems pointless because what does this one thing I'm doing, how does it contribute to the larger whole? What about people who work in large multinational or complex companies? They might have one small thing they do, one account they look after, one thing they look after. And actually, how does this contribute with what's going on in the company on a global scale? It's almost, it's pointless. How do I fit in with something bigger? There's no sense in it. You can be working at any job and you, you, you're giving yourself to something and you're saying, there's no progress. I'm giving to this, I'm giving to this. I always found this at teaching frustrating where you're working with children. It feels like you're giving everything but there's, there's no discernible progress and you're almost, what am I doing this for? 
Are you getting this? Are we, are we moving forward in any way? And it's difficult. Work can also bring this sense of separation from friends and family in the modern ways we work. We spend long times commuting to and from work, hours, trains, buses, cars, going to and from work, where we're just sitting on our own, kind of traveling to work. We can be seduced into thinking that the time, the energy, and effort we put into our work, we work long hours, this will somehow pay off one day, but what we're doing is we're robbing time from our friends, our family, as we do that. We're taking it away, and it all adds to this sense of pointless. We travel away, and we get separated and disjointed from our communities, our homes, because we're traveling uh, for our work. We find, actually, those we have the, the strongest relationships are those we work with, and then we suddenly find we move office and they're all just cut because we're no longer with them, because we only built them because we had proximity to them and we had no lasting relationships outside it. It can be really difficult. We find with the modern standards of living and the way we want to live, we actually find the only reason we're working is to pay the bills because we want to maintain, we want to maintain what we've got, the house, the car, the whatever it is. And actually, what's work? We're just trying, to make, just trying to pay the bills. That's the whole reason to work, just to pay the bills that come out on the first of the month. And what, doesn't, what compounds that as well is the fact that in our modern society, we can pretty much choose our career. There's a wide choice in the Western one, and so you get to almost choose within reason what you want to do, and which makes it even worse when you suddenly find yourself dissatisfied with it, because the only person you've got to blame is you. You chose it, which again can compound this sense of pointlessness, and they all contribute to a sense of dissatisfaction and ultimate pointlessness with our work it's all going to end one day. Last one. Then I'll try and push it up to, to, as we finish. Work becomes selfish. So we've got um, difficult, fruitless, pointless, and ultimately it becomes selfish. That passage from Genesis 11, where it talked about the people from the so the fall had happened, the people had multiplied across the earth, and it says they came to this plain in Shinar, and they, they gathered together, and they said, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Now that's an interesting, that's a good thing. Because what they've worked out, you bake bricks thoroughly, they become harder and you can build better structures. You can see technology and God's kind of creativity that he's put in man coming through there. Someone's thought this through, someone's worked at this. Hey, they can make good bricks. If we bake them hard, we can make solid bricks, which we can build better, stronger structures. That's a good thing. But then what do they say? Come, let us build a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let's make a name for ourselves. They want it to be about them. They want their name to be great. The fact they want it to go up to the heavens, the heavens is obviously where they think the kind of God lives, that spiritual thing. They want to be up there with him, like what happened in the fall. Adam wanted to take that place of God. It's still there. It's still there today in mankind. We want to be up there with him. We want to build this structure. And the reason we want to build this structure up there with God is so people see us. People know about us. Our name is great. And if you, the irony is that's still going on today in so many ways, but even in building tall buildings. Everyone's trying to build the next tallest building. So, it, so our city, our nation, can have the tallest building in the world. We're the greatest, we're the highest. I, I looked it up on um, Wikipedia yesterday, like all the tallest structures, and they're actually, they're all subdivided. You can have the tallest building, you can have the tallest freestanding structure, and they're, 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 slightly, they're slightly different in their categorizations, but they're all trying to be the tallest one. And I think that the tallest one now is in Dubai, the, I, if I can pronounce it, Burj Khalifa, which is this whopping great building of thousands of feet up that is just 
breathtakingly big, but it's, I'm the biggest, I'm the tallest. And then I read on, what's on this page, was actually buildings under construction that are almost trying to top it. So even as that one's up, there are others trying to build. Okay, we haven't finished, but we're coming for you. They want to make a name for themselves. Nothing, there's nothing new under heaven. They're all trying to distinguish themselves and say, I'm special. And work becomes, because of the fall, a place to accumulate power and identity and to make yourself better than the other person, to make it all about you. <clears throat> to make it all about you. And that's what they want to do. They want to get their identity from their work and make it all about us. And this is a great kind of <clears throat> difference from how God designed work. Design work was part of God's creation. It was part of how you worship God, how you had a relationship with God, how, how, how he had built us. God gave those jobs out. I, I give you these responsibilities. Do this. As part of your relationship with me, we'll work in harmony. So God kind of brought the animals to Adam. You name them. There was a partnership there, and it's all broken. It's all about man making the name for themselves. We want to be known. We want to be identified. And this is prevalent all over our workplace, um, what we do. You know, salary, number one. What's your salary? What's the best? I want the better salary because if I get paid more than the other guy or the other girl, I'm clearly worth more than them. What office you, sat, you sit in? You know, have I got the corner office? Have I got the best office with the best desk? Have I got the nice desk with the new computer and the, the PA and all these kind of things that come with it? I remember my dad telling me a story that I always sticks in my head because it just made me giggle, um, that there was a guy at the work he was with that got promoted, but meant he could get his his own office rather than one kind of like an open plan one. So he got his own office, but his promotion wasn't enough that he got a fitted carpet with his office. This was back in the day. But the the office he had had a fitted carpet. And so he's like, well, you can't have that office because it's got a fitted carpet, but you can have your own office. So what do they do? So they sent some of the maintenance guys around with standing knives and basically cut the corners of all the carpets, the carpet, so it didn't fit. So he could have the office but he couldn't have the fitted carpet because he didn't, he didn't have enough of it. So they literally just took the, the edges off all the carpet so it sat in the middle of the room and didn't quite fit. But uh, you've got the office, but you haven't got that. And you think, but it was all about power and status. And you're just like, how ridiculous is that? But then you look up how we do it. The car that you get, the company car that comes with it, the perks. They send you on travel. How do you travel? Do you travel economy? Do you travel business? Do you travel first class? It's all kind of about the teams you meet on, the, the meetings you get invited to. The opinions you're asked, it's all about kind of status. And it's not just in the paid employment page. Think about um, parenting. What can your child do that's better than the other child? Or when's your child walking? When's your child crawling? Has your child been potty trained yet? Can your child write their own name count to five? Because surely if they can't by the age of X, they're just, they're inferior. And it happens and it's real. And we do this because... We want to get identity and praise for ourselves because ultimately we think work is about us and that's what the fall has done. It's, it's clouded it. And we bring that and we use it as a way to boost ourselves up and look down on others and push others down and think actually we're better from that. And that's what the effects of the fall are. So there were four things there. Because of the fall, work becomes difficult, it becomes fruitless, pointless and ultimately selfish and about us. Let's look at as we wrap this up, a few things to kind of apply to our own lives. Number one, accept that work is frustrating and always will be. I said it was going to go up. It will eventually go up. Number one, accept that work is frustrating and always will be. You're welcome. Um, 
It always will be, because that's the way it is. Life is going to be difficult. Jesus said about the Christian life, didn't he? And work is all part of our Christian life. He said there will be elements of our life, our labour, our work, that will be difficult and hard. And you just need to accept that. There will be times when it's fruitless. You put all this effort in and then the result is just like nothing. There's times when you just think, what is the point of this? Why am I doing this? That is going to happen. And we can look broader at kind of the, the, the answer of Jesus to that next week, but I'll, I'll start with it this week. Our world has been broken by sin, has been damaged, and we're living with the effects day by day, week by week. We all know it. I don't think anything I've told you today, any of you will think, oh my goodness, I didn't know that. You all know it intuitively if you ever try to do any job. Any job. This week I had a very simple job to build a, a cabinet for our little boys' room. It came, we ordered it, it came flat pack. Someone had to assemble it. I thought it was a straightforward job. You know, there's all the bits. Oh, dear. It wasn't as straightforward as I thought, and it was just the most mundane, simple job. You just put it together as per the instructions, or oh, the, the destructions, you know, and I had to build it together. And, you know, much sweat and anger and curse words later, I did finish it, but it wasn't as straightforward as I thought. And you're going to say, life is going to be difficult in those sense. And the world is broken. But the good news is, so I'll get you some good news. The kingdom has come. Christ broke in. He came to reconcile man to God and ultimately reconcile all of creation to God, the Bible says. And we're in that process of it happening. We do not see the fullness of it yet, but we see it breaking in more and more and more and more until one day we reach the end of the story, the consummation, read at the end of Revelation, when we will be with God forever and everything will be redeemed including our work. And we live between these two times. It's often described as the now and not yet. The kingdom has come, but it hasn't fully come. And we have to accept a certain level of frustration uh, with life, particularly with our work, is what we're looking at. But ultimately, God is breaking in. God is doing it. And God will use our work. God will redeem our work. God will use us in those environments and those situations for his glory and his good and his kingdom. And we'll see more and more things happen that we can give him glory and honour about. And he's asked us to be a salt and light in those places, to shine his light, to, to touch others, to be, be a positive influence, which we're going to look at more as, kind of as the series rolls out. But actually, our starting point would be, actually, this is going to be difficult. 40-plus years of work, 50 plus years of work, how long it is when the time and age gets to 80, you know, we're still going. Ultimately, it's going to be hard, but God has called us to do it. And he said, I will be with you in it always. That's always a good thing. When life is difficult and life is tough and work is hard and you just want to just, you know, you ask him the question. Jesus said, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And we can often think about that just in terms of kind of going out, evangelism, preaching the gospel, but actually it's in the, the mundane in the work, when you're sitting in front of a, a computer screen, you're dealing with um, a colleague, a client um, that you're having to sort of work with. God is with you in those situations. So work is ultimately frustrating and always will be. Number two. Sorry, let me find my notes. Number two. There is no such thing as a perfect career, job or work. There's no such thing as a perfect one. So stop looking for it. Stop looking for it. It's something that... Um, many of us are kind of at the, the front end of our career. When I say many of us, many of you, I'm better than that. Probably not even halfway through. But there's a sense sometimes people can be looking for, okay, it's going to get better. When I get the promotion, when I get the qualification, when I 
when I, when I push through that, when I get to a certain salary, when I, I kind of get that per, when I move on to the next job in the next kind of career bump, it's going to be better. It's going to be okay. And the reality is none of them are going to be perfect. Whatever you choose to do, even if God changes your career and calls you out to something else, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be better. You're not perfect, your job isn't perfect, and the work in general isn't perfect. So let's not waste time dreaming about something that's one day going to be perfect. Even retirement. Even retirement, thinking one day I get to retirement, which is a long way off. It's all going to be all right then. No, that's still going to be tough too. There's still going to be difficult elements of that. And we need to be people who actually are just aware of that. Actually, it's not going to be perfect, whatever job it is. And I've got um, um, a guy, or a friend who I know, who kind of got the dream job, and he was so excited about it. But months in, I remember talking to him and saying, no, this is so much harder than I thought. There were things I hadn't processed, things I hadn't talked about. And actually, I still love my job, but it's just really, really difficult. And so we need to be thinking like that. Some of you are thinking one day maybe you'll go into... Um, full-time Christian work. You know, you'll give your time to a local church and do those things, and that's going to be better than what you're doing now. Take it from someone who's been there. No. It's good, and I love it, but it's still really difficult and really tough, and it hasn't got any easier from that point of view. So don't, let's not live in a false idea. Yes, you can be called to a particular responsibility. God speaks. Some of the guys who came to plant the church here um, with me had miraculous things where God provided work, provided jobs, changed, changed situations, they got promotions. It was all staggering what God had done. But if you talk to them, really, the work's still hard. There are still tough things they've got to deal with and, and work on. They're still facing all the same pressures the rest of us are. Um, so there'll be good days, but there'll be tough days. But there's no, no perfect career. Last one, number three, you cannot find ultimate meaning and identity in your work. You cannot find it in your work. So many of us try or have tried or will be tempted to try beginnings of careers, trying to actually trying to make a difference. It's usually one of the things the young do. They're quite idealistic. They want to see and want to transform their industry. They want to change the world. They want to do things. But ultimately, you cannot give your meaning and your identity to that. You can't give your meaning. You can't invest your life in that. It's all about working for God and His glory and putting Him first above everything. That's the only way we find true meaning, because it all comes back to Jesus. At the end of the day, it all comes back to Jesus. Whatever we want to talk about, we've always got to come back to him. And he's the one who came, he's the one who dealt with the problem of our sin. He's the one who lived the life, he was God, he came to earth, he lived that life, perfect man um, and God, and he lived the life we couldn't live, he died the death we should have died, he paid the punishment for that sin that was committed by Adam, and all his descendants down through history, ourselves included. He paid it. He dealt with it. He rose from the grave victorious. He ascended to heaven on high. He sent the Spirit to be with his people, the church. And that's the one. He's dealt with the problem. And when we look at our work and trying to think where we're going to find him, we're only going to find it in him. Because our, without him, everything is meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless. It's, just, it's pointless. It will go nowhere. And it will eventually all turn to dust. And actually, we have to find our true meaning and our foundation and our grace in him. And when we apply that to our work, what does that mean? Well, ultimately, the fact that you can work is by the grace of God. The work he's given you is by his grace. The ability to do that work, get the qualifications you've got, is by his grace. There's, there's nothing outside that. And he's the one who gives you the strength to carry on. He's the one who ultimately gives you success in your work. But it's all linked back to him. And let's not get our kind of eyes 
off the prize on that thing. It all comes back to the cross. It all comes back to the gospel and the good news of Jesus. And no matter how hard work can be, how frustrating it can be, if our foundation is Christ and what we stand on is him, and he's the good news that we're clinging to, we'll be able to kind of work through it because ultimately what we're saying then will not fail when our work will fail. We might lose our job. We might get disillusioned with it. That, the rock we stand on cannot fail in that. And he's the only one who can bring us purpose and meaning in what we do. And yes, we're going to go through work that can be tough and difficult and all these things. But if we're clinging on and holding on to the right thing, we'll have energy and grace to get through that in the difficult times. Amen? Amen. Do you want to stand up? I'm going to pray and then we're going to finish. I'm just going to pray, so maybe you just want to open out your hands. I'm just going to ask Jesus to come us, because I know all of us, all of us work in some form, whatever it looks like. We all work, and we're all susceptible to the same difficulties, but the, we all have the same answer as well, which is really nice. So I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you again for work. We want to thank you that you have called us to this. It was part of our design to be workers, Lord God, but the form messed everything up, Lord, and we all kind of live with the consequences of that, Lord Jesus. And we, we come before you now, Lord, and we say, God, we ask you to give us grace to be good workers, Lord, when the work is difficult, when the work seems fruitless and pointless, ultimately when we, work the, when we make the work about ourselves rather than about you, Lord Jesus. We ask you to just give us grace for that. We ask you to forgive us when we fall, Lord Jesus. And I ask, as we look towards this week, even as I was talking, some here were identifying with that. Yes, work is difficult. Work is tough because of this situation. You know, even I can't find work can be the problem. Lord, I ask you give us grace as a people to stand on you as the rock, to, to, to fight the temptation to kind of make work about us and the place that we get our meaning and our value and our importance, the title on our job description, the salary in our bank, in our bank account. Lord God, let us make it actually about you and you be our focus and you be our kind of guide in this. Lord, give us grace for that. And I pray, Lord, this week as we kind of go back officially sort of Monday morning, sort of work tends to start then, Lord, we ask you to give us grace to be good workers in this place. I ask you to fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we would make a positive influence on our workplace, that we would aware of the problems, but that actually we would know there's a solution too. And that actually we would live that out. Lord, despite the frustrations, actually, we know you. We know you're ruling and reigning above. We know ultimately where it's going to end up with you forever and everything redeemed, everything made good, even our work, Lord God. And so we ask us, use us in those places, Lord God. Use us in those places for your glory, for your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Let us be able to spring out of bed tomorrow morning and say, thank God it's Monday. Let's go. <laughs> And God's people said, Amen. 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 And over to you guys.